With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our weekly Penguins chat. Andrew Destin with Matt Venzel, as always. And as always, we want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella windows and doors to find the right product for your home. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. Again, that's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. Well, we got a lot to discuss on this podcast. As you can tell, we're going to recap uh, the first half of the season and specifically go into some player grades and all that sort of stuff. But um, we're first recording this on Tuesday, coming on the heels of the Penguins win over the Seattle Kraken on Monday. And Matt, I'll let you explain that win. But um, defensively speaking, that was as good of a performance as we've seen from the Penguins this year, wasn't it? Yeah, statistically speaking, at least, sure. It was uh, another shutout. They lead the league in shutouts, believe it or not. Um, the lowest expected goal total against all year, according to Sport Logic. Um, some other kind of fancy stats that were, you know, close to season lows or best. Um, you know, I think if you factor an opponent, maybe that win over Colorado way back when um, w- was the best offensive performance. But this was not far behind it. Um, Seattle had won nine in a row coming in. We're just absolutely smoking teams. So um, good win for the Penguins, even though it was kind of a low event game. Um, yeah. So they've officially crossed over into the midway point there, Andrew. Yeah. And that midway point is what prompts us into this discussion we're going to have here um, to kind of recap. And I'll let you get into the nitty gritty of this, Matt. But um, you handed out some grades and went into your teacher mode, giving grades out to each of the players. Uh, and you got to check out the story that Matt wrote on post-gazette.com. But what exactly went into the piece that you wrote for Tuesday? Well, they're grades, Andrew. They're pretty <laughs> self-explanatory. Um, I guess for a little bit more context, uh, we limited it to uh, players who have played in at least five games. Um, so we weeded out guys like, you know, Colin White, um, Magnus Helberg, our large Swedish friend. Um, and these grades are relative to expectation for the individual players. I think that's probably the key point here. Uh, wouldn't be right to kind of grade Sidney Crosby and Ryan Shea on the same curve. So these are all relative to expectations. A lot of that is, is external expectations, but probably internal within the organization as well. So those are the two things to keep in mind here as we get into the grades. 
Right. Let's get right into them. I, I have guess. a grade for you, Andrew. Please send it my way. What do you got? I mean, expectations were pretty low. Um, so we'll put you at a B plus. You're doing great. Ouch. Just kidding. Uh, All right, let's <laughs> let's be serious here. Serious podcast. A serious podcast talking Just about trying to keep you on your toes there. Uh, yeah, you're you're succeeding, man. We're like three minutes into this thing, and I'm I'm all over the place. I'm bouncing off the walls. Uh, if I'm capable of that, you're like my kids today. It's a snow day. Be be thankful you don't have kids yet, because oh. you you get a phone call at five a.m. It's like all right, two hour delay, and it's like oh boy, and then you get another phone call, and it's like school's canceled. Kids want to go play in the snow. It's fifteen degrees outside. I mean, look at you. You're all warm. You probably just got off the couch now. You might make some. A frozen pizza or something and um so anyways just just well, be thankful you're young today i'm i'm really thankful and i'm honestly and i know this will drive you and probably every person watching this nuts i'm really thankful that it did snow because i'm i'm excited to go out and build a snowman later because i never did that as a kid so why don't you come over and just take my kids out in the snow if you're trying to get up into the a grade range i think that would be the way to go Gladly. You got like carrots and coals and a scarf for a snowman. Like I'll, I'll gladly get at it with them, man. Sure. Sweet. All right. Um, at any rate though, uh, with the report card, I guess there's a lot of ways we can go with this. The first one I'll go to you is um, who was your biggest surprise above expectation? Um, just in terms of like you mentioned that grade that you're getting these guys on, who was the biggest surprise you think through the first 42 games for the Penguins this year? Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it, there wasn't an easy answer for this one because, you know, there's really not a lot of guys who have, you know, truly surprised. A lot of guys have met expectations. I, I gave four A grades, um, you know, A plus to A minus to Penguins players. And it's, you know, guys like Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel that you expect to be good. I mean, Marcus Patterson got an A grade. I don't know if he was a huge surprise, but he has taken a step forward. Um, so I, my answer would here would be Alex Ndelkovich. Um at least I didn't have super high expectations for him. It's not like I thought he was going to be bad. Um, you know, I, I was optimistic that he could be an upgrade over Casey DeSmith, but wasn't entirely sure based on his work in Detroit the last couple of years. So I think he's been really, really good. I mean, he got a B plus grade, probably would have been an A minus had he not struggled in two out of his last three starts. Um, but yeah, he's been really good, better record than Tristan Jari. Um, you know, and uh, he's been a nice surprise for the Penguins. And if I had a runner-up, it might be Jeff Carter. Um, you know, comes back to expectations. I don't know if any of us expected anything from Jeff Carter, but, um, you know, he received a solid C grade from me. Um, he's, you know, acclimated well to a reduced role and moving to the wing, and he scored a few big goals too. But I'd say those two guys um, best fit the the surprise category. Right. And in looking at those grades, I think I was right there with you in terms of guys who have um, exceeded expectations. Nedeljkovic was one of the two. Um, another guy that stood out to me was Drew O'Connor. Um, he was somebody who I think expectation-wise, um, you wrote about him in here. I believe you gave him, it was a B-minus grade. Yeah. Um, somebody who, yeah, had a slow start, so it hasn't been as consummate the 42-game stretch of somebody who's been excellent like Nedeljkovic. Um, but O'Connor was somebody who stood out to me as, hey, this guy has exceeded expectations a little bit. Um, but to hammer on Delkovich, I mean, that's somebody that's important, not just in the sense of being a good backup goalie, but I mean, you, you alluded to it here too, is that, um, he's challenging Jari for playing time. Right. And that's a uh, important development and an important development of the storyline. So, uh, tend to agree with you there. Delkovich has been a pretty, a nice surprise, I guess you could say for the Penguins. Cause for concern with, uh, his recent play. A little bit. 
Um, I think it's one thing that stands out. Just remember writing about it a few weeks ago, um, how both him and Jari were well above the league average for expected goals saved, how they were kind of maybe outperforming expectations. And I guess that kind of goes in line with what we're writing about here. So there is part of me that wonders if he's coming back down to earth a little bit. Um, and I guess you could say that really about the Penguins as a whole, just given that they've, I think you could probably say they've been better defensively than expected. It's not just the goalies, but also what's transpiring in front of them, that maybe they've had to make more saves uh, than should be expected and that their uh, their stats are better than they should be. So maybe that's part of it. Um, I, I'll put it this way. I'm not expecting Alex Nedeljkovic to go the full 82 playing at this level. How about that? Yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. How about uh, biggest uh, below expectations? Who was a player who fared below on the grade scale for you? Yeah. So I had uh, three Ds, no Fs this time around, um, but three Ds, and, and two of them were, were prominent newcomers, Riley Smith and Ryan Graves. Um, look, Riley Smith got off to a hot start. He had two goals in his last 30 games before he got injured. Um, you know, doesn't always look like the guy wants to be here. Um, and honestly, today with this weather, I, I wouldn't blame him if he didn't want to be here anymore. Jeez, it's cold. Uh, but um, yeah, he's just been a real disappointment. And as the trade deadline looms, you wonder what's going to happen with him. Um, you know, you wonder if he's a guy they could look to move, whether they're still in contention and maybe just trade him for someone different. Um, he really hasn't had the kind of impact that anyone expected. Um, and then with Graves, yeah, he got off to a really bad start. His first 35 games were rough. Um, we saw him recently get moved down to the third pair, and that seems to have stabilized him a little bit. We saw him back on the second pair against Seattle on Monday, and he played pretty well. So it does look like he might be turning the corner here in January. Um, but, yeah, obviously a worrisome start for Ryan Graves. I, I still think he's a good player. Um, you know, I still kind of take the long view with him and think that he's going to figure it out and uh, be a pretty solid defenseman. But at the midseason point, I, I think he earned a D. I think it's pretty obvious, given off those uh, your answers there and both those guys, that Graves is one that you're more confident in, you know, getting back to that higher level of play, just given the track record and things of that nature and what he's demonstrated recently. But with Riley Smith, I mean, what's the thing that's been most disappointing, I guess, about him? He was billed as somebody who was, you know, can score off the rush, and we've seen him pair well with Gino in that regard. But um, from my observations, at least, it seems like when they're establishing offensive zone time, um, he was not really much of a factor. Was Have those been your observations too? Or what's been your biggest takeaway from Smith's game and watching him up close here this year? I mean, he just doesn't – he's not doing much of anything. Um, he he had some offense off the rush in the year, was very noticeable, and, and just kind of disappeared. And, um, you know, like I said, I'm not the only one who's made this observation, but he just – he looks unhappy to be in Pittsburgh. Um you know, he admitted as much, uh, you know, when we finally got to talk to him in training camp that it took him a long time to get over the trade. Um, one wonders if he has ever gotten over it. I mean, this is his fifth team. You figure he would be used to switching teams by now. But um, I don't know. He just hasn't really fit in as anyone expected. By all accounts, he's like a decent guy. It's not like he's a, a bad apple or anything in the locker room. But, um, you know, he looks like a guy who just wishes he was still in Las Vegas, which is understandable. He had a lot of success there, um, won a cup. Um, so I don't know, maybe he'll come back from this injury. I know he's out longer term after he got hit from behind the other night. Um, you know, maybe when he does come back to the lineup, he'll look like a different player and play more like the guy, um, the Penguins thought they were getting, but I think it's fair to say, 
um, you know, given, you know, what they gave up to get him a third round pick, they let go of Jason Zucker. Um, they just wanted more juice from a guy who's going to step into a prominent role. And that just really hasn't been the case. Yeah, certainly a big disappointment for the Penguins. You mentioned Graves. He's a guy who's certainly turned the corner a little bit. Um, I'll bring up another name for a guy that you gave a D grade to um, in P.O. Joseph. Um, he's one who certainly stood out to me as somebody who's been a big disappointment this year. Um, I know he was sidelined for a bit there with the injury, but has really been shuffling in and out of the lineup. Had a chance there to play with Eric Carlson for a little bit on that pair. But um, all told, I mean, I, I think this is fair to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but this has been a bit of a big step back after a breakout rookie campaign last year for P.O., no? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, it was up and down last year, but um, was more consistent than we had seen previously. That's why he was able to stay in the league and, and play a lot of games for the Penguins. Um, just this year, he's just really struggled. Um, when he makes mistakes, he really makes them count. And, you know, I know the, the coaching staff, um, doesn't necessarily have like, they're, they're not right all the time with these decisions. So, I mean, you, you do take it with a grain of salt, but it is telling that the coaching staff clearly doesn't have a lot of trust in him. I mean, we've seen PO be a healthy scratch for a few stretches this season now. And when he does play, he's averaging less than 20 minutes per game. Um, so that tells you that the coaching staff doesn't have a lot of trust in him. So, uh, we'll see. I mean, he's sort of benefited from the fact that John Ludwig is out and Ryan Shea turned back into a pumpkin and is in the minor leagues. Um, you know, so they don't really have an alternative um, to play right now. Um, but you do wonder, you know, if P.O. is going to be with this team at the end of the season. Um, there's certainly scenarios you could see playing out where they moved on from him. John Ludwig still on long-term IR, not slated to be able to come back. I believe it's not till January 27th, I think is correct. Um, so still a little bit of time here, these next handful of games for P.O. to prove that he deserves to stay in the lineup, but that's no guarantee, as we saw earlier in the year with Ludwig getting more um, ice time over him. Um, hey, look, Ludwig hasn't been great either. I mean, I know fans get excited anytime they have somebody who like wants to hit somebody or fight somebody. I understand that's like an element that is perpetually lacking from the Penguins. But uh, Ludwig struggled too. I mean, struggled to defend at both five on five and on the PK. Yeah, they had been playing him on both sides, whether I was on the left, as a left shot guy who was playing both the left and right sides of the D pair, never really looked particularly comfortable with either, um, was just more so a physical guy. So uh, that's certainly a storyline that I'm curious to monitor this next week and change once uh, Ludwig gets back. He has skated um, since he's been sidelined, but of course uh, on long-term IR. Okay. I want to get into this. Uh, this has been on my mind since uh, we brought up this idea of doing the report card for the podcast. Uh, some grades that I quibble with you on. There are a few players. Uh, we already mentioned a few of them on here. Uh, you mentioned Jeff Carter. I got to be honest, man. I'd give him a higher grade than a C. Got Let's hear it. Why? All right. Uh, my expectations, like you mentioned, were practically nil. Um, I'd give him at least a C plus or a B minus. I think that you have to look at what he's done in the face-off circle. This is a guy who 
whenever they're taking draws in their own zone, he's either on the off on the wing like he always is, or is able to slide in if Achari gets booted out. That has value. He's scored a couple of timely goals, some game winners this year. One that comes to mind is in Tampa, which definitely didn't see that one coming. Um, and his line hasn't been a detriment, which we can point to the bottom six last year as that was a unit that certainly uh, was an Achilles heel for the Penguins. But I don't know that you can say that as much about the third and fourth lines this year. They're certainly not great or world beaters or anything like that. But um, considering where the expectations were for Carter and what probably is his last NHL season, I think he's been above expectations. I wouldn't say that he's met them. He's probably been a little bit higher. You have not swayed me, but I will <laughs> clip that, post it on social media, and just laugh as all the angry Penguins fans tell you that you're an idiot. Let's go. I mean, do they not already think that? I, I mean, don't... I think it comes back to expectations, sure. I mean, he's been, um, you know, a fourth-line level player. Um, so I, I understand where you're coming from. Okay. Uh, next one would be Jansen Harkins. Uh, you can roll your eyes at me with this, that we're discussing Jansen Harkins for midseason grades. But considering yeah. <laughs> considering the fact You're going to quibble with me about Jansen Harkins. Here we yes. Go. All right, let's hear it. All right. So th this is one I was – I'm only excited about this because I think this is a funny answer. P feel free to not laugh and insult me again. Um, regardless. Uh, I, I won't. Okay. okay. So, J so Jansen Harkins, right? Expectations coming into the year – they didn't know that they were going to have him until a few days before the season started, right? When they got him, it was this unknown commodity in the sense that he had played in Winnipeg, had never established himself as an NHL player. He got sent down after, what, like three or four games, and I'm thinking, okay, that's the last we see of Jansen Harkins. But he came back, and he's now skated in, I think, 27 games for the Penguins. Um, I had no intention of or belief that this guy was going to skate in even a dozen. And he hits people. That's something. Um He's assisted a couple of times on nice goals. I would say that he's at least a C, if not higher, just based on the fact that he has played games. I did not well, expect. Did I give him a C? What did I do? A C minus? Yeah, you gave him a C minus. I was like, what did he? What did he fall below expectation for you on? Well, uh, for starters, just because he is here doesn't mean <laughs> he should be here. Um, <laughs> what is the alternative? Um, Vinny Hinostroza, um, Nylander. So you could argue maybe he's been here by default. Secondly, Chad Ruedel has more goals than him. Case so I'm just going to let that sink in. So I will say Harkins has been better of late. Um, you know, your point about him bringing some physicality and energy, he definitely appears to have kind of figured out what he needs to be doing to help this team. So I will say, um, you know, over the last, you know, two, three, four weeks, whatever it is, um, he has been more impactful. Um, just not enough, I think, to, to give him a higher grade than that. But we'll see. I mean, if he sticks around, um, you know, and deserves to stick around and, and does more of what he's been doing recently, um, you know, his grade at the end of the year could maybe even get up into the B range. Yeah. And now, and actually. Big well, if. Right. Big, big if. if. Hey, stay tuned. That's why that's we'll have the end of the year full semester report card, right? Stan Poolin looms. Yesy Polviardi looms. Is that how you say that? I just uh, probably figure it out. Uh, Jesse, yeah. Um, so uh, Sam we'll Poulin, Sam Poulin, four goals in the last four games for Wilkes, career high. Yeah, he talked to you on the phone and one on a heater. I don't think it's a coincidence. I'm the solution. That's my takeaway. I'm, I'm it. But all right, quibble. Let's hear some more gripes, some grievances. All right, now for more impactful players. Uh, Eric Carlson, you gave him a B. 
Um, mm-hmm. As somebody who's gotten to witness him in person this year, uh, both you and I, but also been able to follow him the last handful of seasons, um, I got to be honest, the expectations are a little bit higher for me for Eric Carlson. And I think to me, it comes down to just really one area. Um, the five on five play has been good. I have no uh, disagreements with you on that, that he's been good in terms of the advanced numbers. Um, he's playing well now. I think it's a seven game point streak he's on. Um, but my quibble really is just the power play. Uh, this is a guy who was brought in, billed as somebody who would really help that unit. Um, and I agree with you that I think Evgeny Malkin has been perhaps the biggest detriment to the power play of anybody. But Carlson hasn't exactly been one that stymied that unit. He hasn't been a catalyst in the manner that I think was expected and what he's capable of. And he's looked apprehensive and passive at times. So to me, I I think just the power play unit, which obviously has been a struggle, has been an Achilles heel for the Penguins this year. You would have expected Carlson to elevate that group. And if anything, I think it's taken a step back this season relative to last year. So I had Carlson as what, a B? So what yeah. are you saying? What's C the plus, C plus or B minus? I respect your opinion. No further comment. I could I could see I could see um meeting in the middle on like a B minus. This is the first time maybe you've swayed me a little bit. Um but I do think it speaks to what a polarizing player he is. Um, and again, I'm just going to let all the Penguins fans um, on Twitter who know what natural statric is know that you are down on Eric Carlson. You're all for Jeff Carter and you think analytics are stupid. No, I mean, it does speak to the kind of the, the debate with um, Eric Carlson, which is, is kind of reminiscent of kind of the debate we've seen around Chris Letang for years, um, you know, typically really good advanced analytics productions there in the box score um, struggles defensively. Um, he definitely makes some big mistakes and it's just kind of hard to add that all up. But, um, you know, I think it's clear the Penguins expect more out of Carlson um, and it's not just the power of play and it's not just kind of the turnstile defense at times. Um, you know, halfway into his first season with the Penguins, he still is not very assertive at times. And I think that's frustrating to um, the Penguins organization. So we'll see if he gets that going. But, yeah, I mean, you talk to some fans on on Twitter, which, um, you know, is just a small snippet of his fan base. But there's a lot of people who um, would argue that Eric Carlson's been spectacular and way better than Chris Letang. Um, so I, I guess we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. But I'm going to stick them on you because I had him as a B. You have him as a C plus. So here, hang on. You go with the next one. I'm going to start tweeting this out to the fans. <laughs> Andrew Destin hates analytics. Here's why. Analysis. Okay. Yeah. Next. Um, trying to think who else I have here that I really did quibble with you on. Those were the big three that stood out to me. Um, honestly, God, I just really enjoyed you saying that Redeem Zahorna had re-entered the witness protection program. I just wanted to bring that up to the podcast. I find I like your quips. I think they're funny. I mean, it's the same story every year with him. He has like a good camp. Everyone's like, hey, yeah, Redeem Zahorna and, you know, the team. And he's like, I'm in much better shape this year. And then he does a few good things and then just disappears. Um, we're seeing it again this year. So, um, yeah, another kind of polarizing player depending on how you feel about advanced analytics which i obviously it's something i factor into everything i write about them all the time but it's not everything so um i don't i mean a couple more players that um i guess we can touch on is um 
you know, Brian Russ was kind of a tricky one for me. I landed on a B plus, but you could have swayed me into an A minus for him. Um, he hasn't been as productive with Yevgeny Malkin, so maybe that was the difference in, in him being a B plus for me. Um, Lars Eller, uh, quietly, um, you know, the team's best third line center. I, I think maybe since I've covered the team, and this is my my sixth year. Um, I gave him a solid B. I don't know if you have any issues with that. And then Raquel's another one. Yeah. Um, would I give him a C? Yeah. C felt um, right. Yeah. yeah. It's like he, he has 11 points in his last 11 games, and maybe he's getting it going, but it still doesn't feel like he's, you know, been a, a, a difference maker for this team recently, even with that production. So um, we'll see. We'll see. He's another guy. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of attention on Jake Gensel with the trade deadline looming and what's going to happen there. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm fascinated personally to see how it plays out. Um, but, you know, why not move a guy like Raquel um, if that means you can keep Jake Gensel? I don't know. Yeah. Just a thought. We'll right. get into trade deadline talk um, in future weeks. I'm sure there'll be a lot of it. Right. Plenty to discuss there because I don't think, as you said, I don't think it's as cut and dry as do they move Jake or do they not? I think there's a lot of other factors there. But um, just to touch on a couple of those guys you brought up there. Yeah, I mean, Lars Eller to me, and not even just for the sake of this exercise, but like just screams to me like a B hockey player, like a guy who does everything you ask of him. He's not flashy. He's not super exciting, but like is responsible defensively, can sometimes chip in offensively. I think I don't think there was any grade that I agreed with you more than maybe, I mean, obviously, you know, Crosby being an A plus, that's just a given. But like when I saw Lars Eller was a B, I was like, I mean, that, that describes him to a T. Um, and then Brian Rust, of course, being the B plus. Yeah. I think that's the right grade just cause yeah. I mean, I, I think it all goes down to, he was productive on Crosby's line and I don't think that's any coincidence and he's been less productive on Gino's line. That's not a coincidence either. So I, I think B plus is the right grade to give out to, to him there and uh yeah just wanted to touch on Lars Eller being a B I he's the embodiment of that letter grade I think and well that, you, you mentioned Gino so yeah. uh, I, I guess we can put a, a button on this report card talk with Gino and Latang, um the the two other prominent players we really haven't gotten into mm -hmm. um I had Latang as an A minus um you know I, I I think he's been really good this year um some others may disagree. I mean, he's produced just as much as Carlson, despite uh, mostly running the second power play, not the first. He's been very good on the PK, um, a big boost for that unit after he wasn't really used a ton on that last year. Um, yeah, so I think he's been been good. Um, you could talk me into a B plus, I guess, uh, but I have an A minus. And then Gino, another tough one. I mean, he's, he's you know, on pace for 70 plus points. Um, once again, his plus minus is, is right around even, but just so uneven, um, enigmatic as always, um, when you mentioned the power play, they've also left some points on the board in overtime, um, you know, as we've seen here in the last couple of weeks. So I had Gino as a, as a C plus, um, you know, you just expect a little bit more from him. I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't at this point in his career, he's 37, obviously slowing down physically, but, um, yeah, I'm sure he's another guy who would have a, a wide range of, of grades depending on who you ask. Yeah, he might have been – I don't know. He might have been a C. Like, I, I think C-plus is fair. I, I don't particularly disagree with it. But in terms of, again, being above expectations, I don't know that Gino has really exceeded them. If anything, he might have fallen a little bit short. But that's just given that 
I think last year was more impactful of a season than we were expecting out of Gino. So, um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of just what he's brought to the table at five on five on the power play, the five on five play has been particularly striking. Again, I'm not breaking any news or telling anybody anything they don't know, but just in terms of establishing ozone time, that's not something that that line has really done particularly well, if at all. Um, and Gino's as responsible for that as anybody and the defensive inconsistencies there are pretty well documented. So um, what we're seeing with him, it's uh, it hasn't certainly been a good first 42 games. And I think it's no secret that his line getting back into a better space uh, would be certainly a big help for the Penguins here as they enter the second half. Yeah, I mean, the third and fourth liners, like other than, I mean, I guess you have Drew and uh, Eller who were in B range. I mean, you had a lot of Cs, C minuses. Um, but overall, I mean, those those two lines are actually kind of doing their job. Um, they might not be scoring, but they're not allowing a lot of goals. Some guys are chipping on on special teams. Um, so actually, like you, you could argue the bottom six as a whole has been um, a little bit better than expected. So just to your point about the second line, like, um, you know, that's a key element. It's it's every year um, what Gino does and his line do is, is such a, you know, a swing factor for this team. I mean, when Gino's rolling, um, you know, you believe this team could potentially, you know, make the playoffs and win at least a round. And when he's struggling, they got no chance just with the way they're constructed. Yeah. I think it's a good way to wrap up the main talking points here. I think on that note, uh, after the Malkin discussion, uh, let's go around with some stick taps. You want to lead things off here or should I be going first? You can go first. All right. Great. Uh, we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Uh, stick taps to Ryan Graves. You mentioned it. I've mentioned it. We're on the same page here. He's a guy who looks to have turned a corner. These last seven games, um, he certainly has looked better. And I think that game on Monday against Seattle was certainly a big step forward for him, getting back partnering with Eric Carlson. Um, the thing that stands out to me is just this is a guy who you've talked about it and written about it as much. Um, that the failures, the struggles, you know, he took those pretty seriously. He, obviously, he is internalized. Yeah, this guy cares. This guy cares. Yeah, and it's no secret. It's not like, oh, he got some six-year contract with 4.5 mil a year that he's just going to mail it in. That's the complete opposite here. Graves has taken this stuff very personally and wants to play well. Um, and you can tell that he is putting in that time, putting in that effort to get better with the play. So stick taps to Ryan Graves after – an arduous first uh, 35 games looks like he's taken a step forward. So stick taps to him. How about yourself, Matt? Who you got? Uh, I will give my stick taps to Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, Monday night, he picked up a win. Who did they beat? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> they won. Oh, the Islanders, the Islanders. Anyways, Fleury gets a shutout, moves ahead of Patrick Waugh for second all-time in the um, in career wins. A great accomplishment for him. I don't think he's catching Bredor. Um, you know, we'll see how much longer Marc-Andre Fleury plays. This could be his last year. He hasn't said, and I don't even know if he's really decided, but um, a great accomplishment. I mean, just, I mean, I don't know. I, I always have a soft spot for Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, I never covered him personally, um, but just as a, a fan of the game, a, a former beer league goalie, just the way he plays and carries himself, and then his longevity is is why he was able to get to this record. And, um, you know, I think that's impressive. I mean, he came in the league at such a young age. Um, he went through a lot of ups and downs. And just physically, um, the way he plays the game with the splits and the acrobatics, the fact that 20 years later, um, you know, he's been – had relative health enough to hit this milestone is actually pretty incredible. 
um, for the kind of the, just the physical toll that the position can take on his body. So I think it's a great milestone. We'll see how many more wins he adds to this total, but stick taps to Marc-Andre Fleury, our old friend. Yeah, couldn't have said any better than myself. My only addition there would be, did you see the video of him thanking the crossbar mid-play after uh, against New York yesterday? I mean, that's just that's, <laughs> that's one of Fleury's many quirks we've seen over the years. Just so funny. Yeah, I bring that up just to say that 20 years later, he's still doing it. It's like the guy's organically himself. It's just been such a treat to watch. So um, at any rate, that'll do it for our midseason uh, report card and grades courtesy of a one Matt Benzel. Thanks, guys, as always, for checking into our podcast. We'll be back next week with more Penguins talk. And in the meantime, be be sure to hit up uh, post-gazette.com to keep up with more of our Penguins as well as all other sports content. Thanks, everyone. We, we give you guys an A. If you're still watching this video <laughs> at the end, you get an A grade from us. Yeah, what he said. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, we'll catch you all again next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com. <laughs>